we have early morning prayer online, and so I drive in in the mornings to come in and uh, pray in my office. And so he said this to, to be one morning coming in. He said, through the messages your pastors are ministering, you can hear my heart of what I'm wanting for my body right now. So the messages that we've been receiving are things that God wants for us to have in our arsenal, so to speak, right now. And then another morning he said this to me, my words spoken by divine inspired utterance, which is prophecy, uh, is just as important as my word written in the black and white and red. And so uh, an emphasis here on the word of God in 2 Timothy 3, it says that the word of God is given. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Would you like things to be profitable? And that word profitable there just basically means benefit. It's for our benefit. And so all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable or beneficial for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hallelujah. And um, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so uh, in the Amplified Classic, it says it this way Every scripture is God breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God to God's will in thought, purpose, and action so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thorough, equipped for every good work. Hallelujah. So that's what the word of God for and what it does, it produces in our life. Uh, Even um, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how the Lord gave the the ministry gifts and he gave them to equip us uh, for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting there uh, means uh, to bring in order. So he gave, uh, gives us the word. He also gives us his ministry gifts uh, to bring in order things in our lives. And uh, that word perfecting there has to do, it is maturing or bringing to completion, but it's also right ordering or arrangement, harmonious arrangement, the right fit to bring our lives into order. So when the word of God is given, uh, the red and white, the red and black and white and red, and also inspired utterance is given in a, the preaching of the word is to mature us, to uh, bring right ordering, to arrange harmonious, harmonious arrangement, the right fit to bring our lives into order. Praise the Lord. So messages that we've been hearing. So I went back and saw a few of them. Y'all remember a Holy Ghost church. We're a Holy Ghost church. Uh, who is the father? His pastor talked to us about who the father was. Uh, Pastor Rhonda ministered on our benefits package. I remember that from Psalm 103. Uh, She ministered on us being the potter in the clay, or God being the potter and us the clay. Uh, Messages uh, right now is on serving. Uh, At the beginning of the year, Pastor ministered on destined for eternity or our destiny. Uh, on Wednesday nights right now is preaching on Ephesians. So all of these things that I didn't 
do an exhaustive list. But these seem to be important things that God wants us to have right now. And a lot of times we think, you know, uh, we can pick and choose. And you know how you go to a salad bar and you pick and choose what you want to eat at the time. You leave the broccoli off, uh, you know, the healthy stuff. And you load it up with other stuff, bacon. <laughs> but we're not to choose the word of God like that for ourselves. Amen. God orders or designs what's beneficial for us and what we need at the time. And a lot of times we don't think we need it right now. But even in that, we hear what he's saying to us right now. And it may not be needed right now, but uh, sometimes we get put in conditions where that word springs up. And so what you packed in there, what you put in there, you find yourself in a situation and all of a sudden the conditions are right for that. Um, there's these plants called slow starter plants. I don't know anything about plants. Uh, I kill plants. That's not a bad confession. That's just is. And uh, somebody brought me a book one time that says 10 house plants you can't kill. And I killed most of them. <laughs> I even killed a cactus one time. But part of, uh, there's the plants that are called slow starter plants. And uh, tulips are one of those things. You plant them when the conditions are not right for them to come up. And so you just put them in the ground. And then when the conditions are right, all of a sudden, you got tulips. Right? So that's what we do with the Word of God. We pack the Word of God in, even if we don't think we need it right now. Even if you don't think it applies to your life right now. Uh, they may be teaching on marriage. And you thought, I don't need to go to service because they're teaching on marriage. But you know, I've been in services when the subject was preached and I got an answer that was totally different from what the message was preached. The Holy Ghost taught me what I needed. And in, that, in first, um, first John 2, 20, it says that we have an unction from the Holy One within and we know all things. Verse 27 says, and that unction is teaching us. So despite, what you know, we've had, uh, I've had this happen to me. I'm sure pastors have had it too, that somebody comes up after a service uh, and they, they say what they got. Then another person comes up and they say what they got. And a third person comes up and they say what they got. And none of it was in their notes, uh, the speaker's notes. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was teaching them what they needed to hear. Even in an environment where you thought, I don't need that. But he taught you what you needed, gave you an answer or rescue for your life or what you needed. So we can't pick and choose what we want. And the other things that have been taught, uh, Reverend Opal is teaching on uh, believe the last few weeks. Believe and say what you want uh, God's word to believe and say what God's word says about you. Uh, you must partake of Christ's redemption. You know she's a big on partaking. <laughs> God wants you walking in all of redemption, uh, all of what redemption is. And then, you know, we just alluded to the prophecy that the Lord gave us uh, in uh, 2 Chronicles 20 and about rejoicing. That was inspired utterance that was given to us three years ago, two years ago now. And he said that inspired utterance of his word is just as important as the written word. So we don't, you know, when inspired utterance come out, oh, that's just another prophecy. Oh, that's just, a, no, that's important to us. That's something he's speaking to us on the spot about right now. Amen. And something that will bring encouragement, that will bring uh, admonishment to us and help us in our walk with him. Um, Hebrews 4, 2 says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, the Israelites, 
in the wilderness. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The voice translation of that says, those people in the wilderness heard God's good news, just as we have heard it. But the message they heard didn't do them any good since it wasn't combined with faith. So what we're hearing, these messages that are being preached, or whoever comes in, we haven't had a lot guest ministers this year, but whoever comes in, the message, what we're hearing is, is not just for us to uh, punch our button and check it off that we went to Wednesday night service or we went to this, and I showed up for that special service or what have you. No, it's for us to take unto ourselves and mix faith with it so that we can walk thereby. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> let me see here. I was listening. Let me see what I wrote down. Um, so a lot of times around here, we have prayer groups. Uh, you know, we uh, pray for pastors. We have an early morning prayer group that prays for the pre-service. So they're praying for pastor to have, or whoever's ministry to have utterance or to have unction and all of that. But also praying for us to receive what's being ministered and what's, uh, what's coming forth. And that's great that they're doing that because so, we want that for our benefit. Uh, and so whenever I'm listening to something or a message here uh, live in the service, if I'm listening, I listen to a lot of things in my office, um, in my car, at home, and, uh, and I ask the Lord to help me. I pray Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 over me that I would have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in what I'm hearing, that, uh, this, uh, that my eyes, the eyes of my heart will be flooded with light. In Psalm 119, uh, 18 it says show me wondrous things from your word the new living translation of that says open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions so we talked about the word being instruction earlier but open our eyes to see and then the uh, young's literal translation says uncover my eyes uncover my eyes that I might behold wonders out of your law so uncover my eyes now let's turn to Matthew chapter 13, and this is uh, Jesus, and um, he's uh, talking with his disciples, and in Matthew 13 verse 10, and I'm reading it out in the New Living. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, this is the black and white and red, so the next part is in red, right? <laughs> you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. In um, the King James or New King James, it says, it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even with little understanding, they will, uh, what they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, and remember, he said, just as important as written word is, prophecy and we know that down through the ages that the prophets prophesied and uh, about Jesus coming so what if they had ignored that not taken that and prayed it back up to God they wouldn't be right here with Messiah right now 
And so this, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, um, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. Their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and the ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. Anybody heard this before? When pastor gets up and, uh, to minister, he prays this prayer for us. He prays this in his prayer that our eyes see, that our ears hear, and give us hearts that understand. And he's saying here that the reason why he's teaching in parallel is because they don't see, they don't hear, and they don't comprehend or understand. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and the ears cannot hear and the hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but they don't see it, and they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So it's given to us to know. Anybody in here part of kingdom? This was kingdom talk that Jesus was talking about here. So those that are a part of the kingdom is given to us to know. But we also have to, uh, uh, our eyes have to see, our ears have to hear, and our hearts have to understand. So it's given to us to know these mysteries or these promises. historians say there's about 7,000 or a little over 7,000 promises in the word of God. 7,000. And those promises are to us as yes and amen. Hallelujah. Charles Capps, I've been listening. Charles Capps has been a staple in my life here lately. And uh, so I've been listening to him and he made these statements and I'm going to read them to you. Uh, as far as I know, there is not one promise that, that will happen for you just because it's in the Bible. 7,000 promises in the Bible. As far as I know, there is not one promise that will happen for you just because it's in the Bible. Not one that I know of. Now, there might be one that I've overlooked it, but you have to hear, you have to hear it. You have to believe it, and you have to make a decision to act on it. It doesn't happen because it's in the Bible. Everything you hear, you have to act on in faith to receive it. Faith is the law of the new covenant. The law of the old covenant was works. But you have to work the word. You have to use God's word to overcome your circumstances in life. Those are powerful statements. So the promises are in there. Y'all remember the ragu, is it prego, you know, sauce? It's in there. You name it, it's in there. The promises are in there. The promises are in the word of God. Amen? The promises are the word of God, 7,000 plus. But it does not profit us or benefit us if we don't mix faith with it. Several years ago, I was living in another state and uh, I had just started going to the church and uh, getting very active and stuff. And um, 
<clears throat> someone down from Children's Church down in the basement came up after the service, and they said, how was the service today? I said, oh, man, it was really good. And they said, well, uh, what did he preach on? And I said, I don't know, but it was really good. <laughs> the word did not profit me. It did not benefit me. My heart was not in a place of engaging to receive what was said to apply it to my life, to be mixed with faith and apply it to my life so that my life can be different. And when we're doing that and we're applying the word to our life, we're renewing our mind with it. You know, you may think, you know, I can't do anything, I can't do anything right, but the word of God says in Philippians 4 uh, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So what do you do? You may be in the state where you don't know or you can't do anything. But the word of God says, you embrace that word of God, the word of God says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You may look in your checkbook. That is one of those things where we used to write, you know, <laughs> um, your bank account and you see red. And your bank account is telling you empty, 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 empty. But what does the word of God says? That my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So what do we do? Do we look at what's in the natural and just magnify what was in the natural? Do we magnify the enemies that are coming against us? Or do we take the word of God and apply it to the victories that he's done for us in the past? And what he did for us back then, he's going to do for us right now. And renew our minds with the word that says that my God shall supply all of my need. And in your body, you got pain saying, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. You may have a doctor's report that says it is impossible for this to change. There's nothing else that we can do about it. But what does 1 Peter 2.24 says? That by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Well, my knees hurt or my back hurt or my this hurt. And they said that it's in stage four or what have you. My God shall supply all of my need. Or uh, uh, what did I just say? First Peter 2, 24. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Hallelujah. And so that's taking the word of God. And against what uh, the natural says, you're going to embrace that. You're going to hold on to that. As uh, Reverend Opa says, you lay hold of that. Amen? And when your body's still screaming, when your checkbook is still empty, when you think you can't do, the Word of God is your anchor in those moments. Amen? Our anchor. So we must work the Word. And that's what I just described there is working the Word. Let's go to James chapter 1. So in our digital age that we have, we hear a lot. We have access to everything. I don't think we're going to have an excuse when we get to heaven of something that wasn't a victory or something that didn't take place in our life because we have access. They have, you know, it used to be, I remember Brother Hagen talked about how when he would go on the road, he had a suitcase just for his concordance, all the Bibles that he studied out of, the books that he took with him. And now you can just take them on your iPad or on your phone. And so we have access to so much. 24-7, 365, you can uh, go on YouTube and listen to a message, you know, or Venmo or what have you. And so we have access to so much. And what we can do is go from message to message to message to message and not profit. And we deceive ourselves thinking, 
we're okay because I'm hearing. But if we're not hearing and applying to our life, it's not profiting us. It's not benefiting us. And so, first, uh, John, I'm sorry, James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. We should put that on a banner. Yeah. <laughs> slow to speak, slow to wrath. Maybe that's another banner. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive them with meekness or humility the engrafted or implanted word of God. And, and uh, right out, I looked at the definition of engrafted and it means implanted by others' instruction. So the word of God... It says, lay aside filthiness, overflow wickedness, and receive the meat with meekness. And meekness also is yieldedness. I have my own way of how I think something ought to go, but the word of God is telling me something different. And so am I going to stay in wrath? Am I going to stay in filthiness? Am I going to stay in the overflow wickedness? Or if I'm going to be meek and receive the engrafted word, word that is given instruction by others, uh, that is able to save my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. So I have a choice to make. When I hear, if I know my life don't line up with the word, and I hear the word that says I need to cut off such and such, I need to cut off this. I need to cut off filthiness, uh, wickedness. And I don't apply that word to my life. Brother Hagins used to say this to us. He said, it is a very dangerous thing to come to light and violate it by not doing it. What does that mean? Come to something that you know to do what is right and you don't do it. So, uh, verse 22, but be, be doers, but be doers. And that word doer there is performer, one who obeys and fulfills the law. And even the word poet is in that definition. So a doer is one who performs, someone who obeys and fulfills the law, or we can say the word of God. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Not going from uh, a video to video to video to audio to this to that, you know, and nothing that we heard has made a difference in our life. Amen? I, 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 mean, I can be there too. <laughs> I listen to stuff all the time. I listen to what we have here, what our pastors put out here, but I also have you know, my favorite preachers that I like to listen to. And so we can do that thinking we're okay because we're hearing. But it's not enough in the hearing. James says we have to do. And so, <clears throat> so, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Not anybody else deceiving us. We can't put this off on anybody else. But deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a mirror. This is our mirror. Observing ourselves in a mirror 
and he observes himself, goes away, and from immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So this mirror, our word of God, this is the mirror we look into to change any area of our life. This is the mirror that we look into. And James is saying that we can look in the mirror and put it down, walk away, and forget what that said. James being real plain. Amen. And so, have you ever been in a service and you felt like, man, I can run through a troop, I can leap over a wall, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you go right outside that door, and you get in your car, and you forgot what happened in church today. Anybody? <laughs> well, leave me over here by myself. <laughs> you know. So let's look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, continues in it, continues in it. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. So if you did go outside and you forgot, what do you do? Lord, Holy Ghost, I remember something. You showed me something in service today. Bring that back to me, sir. I really appreciate that. Or you get back, go back and listen to it. And try to get back to that place where he spoke to you and said something to you about it. So he said, but you who look in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, a performer of the work, this one is blessed in what he does. So blessed in what he does, it sounds like profit to me, right? So we're profiting because we're not a, we read the word, we continue in the word, we don't forget what we heard, we apply it to our lives, and we're blessed. Hallelujah. But verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, just showing up. I showed up for church today. I, you know, got my check, my notch in my belt. If any of you are religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So, just showing up for church for the sake of showing up for church, and you didn't profit, you didn't take anything away, we didn't mix faith with it, it was useless. I don't want to do anything that's empty, <laughs> that's useless. Amen. Y'all, it's going to get better, all right? Just <clears throat> Keith Moore used to say, if you just look straight, and, and uh, he said, if I'm painting your picture, <laughs> calling your name, just look straight. When you get home tonight, just fall across your bed and say, oh, God, help me. <laughs> so if you look, keep, just look, keep looking straight, I won't know it's you. Praise the Lord. So coming to church and hearing the word or the messages is a time for adjustments to be made. Just recently, uh, I walk in the mornings in here, and a few weeks ago, uh, I was walking, and I was doing my arms like this. And about an hour or so later, I was standing at Bethany's desk, and all of a sudden, just right through here to the middle of my back, between my shoulder blades, I started feeling a pain. And she said, are you all right? <laughs> I went, I don't know. I'm hurting. And so um, I didn't do anything about it necessarily, didn't know what to do. And so at night, when I laid down, I couldn't sleep, so I wrestled all night long. And uh, so first thing in the morning, when my chiropractor's office opened up, I was on his doorstep. And uh, so I got in there, and, you know, they do what they do and feel around and stuff. And he said, you've popped a couple of ribs out of place. 
and, uh, and, and put your back out of alignment. What did you do? So I was telling him I was in here and I was walking and I was doing my arms like this to get my heart rate up. He said, don't do that no more. <laughs> he said, just walk faster. I said, got it, got it. So because it was hurting most of the day and, and during the night, it was sore. And so he put me on electrical stem and all that and was going to put me on the adjustment table. So I got to the table and he said, take a deep breath. And I said, no. I know what's coming. He's getting ready to adjust me. And uh, he said, it won't get better if you won't let me adjust you. And I went, just let me lay here for a minute. <laughs> so I lay there. He said, just let me know when you're ready. I said, all right. After a while, I said, all right. So I took a deep breath, and he put his hand on that place in my back and adjusted it. And I went, ah! <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, when you leave, you may want to take an ibuprofen. Now, he's one of these naturalist kind of people. And he don't tell you to take medication. So I should have took a clue when he told me to take something because I came back to work. <clears throat> and about an hour after I got back to work, I went, I got to go home, y'all. <laughs> I got to go lay down. And, uh, man, it was sore. And it's not totally corrected yet, but it's a lot better than what it was. And so I, have to, I had to allow myself to be adjusted, even though it hurt. It hurt, y'all. <laughs> Don't ever pop ribs out of place. <laughs> it hurts. And so when we come to church or we hear the word, it might hurt. But we need to allow ourselves to be adjusted, spiritually adjusted. And why is that? Because um, you know, we don't want to just come here what we're doing right, even though it's nice to hear what you're doing right. But if we're doing something wrong and we don't see it, we're on our way down a road where uh, the caution light is not on or we're ignoring the caution light. God is trying to get our attention. Hey, this is going on in your life. You need to make some adjustments here. You need to correct this. You need to take this off. You need to uh, not do that. Or you need to listen to the word in this area. Or, or whatever it might be, whatever he authored in us when we're sitting in a service, when we were looking into the perfect law of liberty, and, you know, and not saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. Or I'll take care of that later. Or it's not that bad. But God who sees afar off, no, that's what he said. These messages that we're hearing are important to his heart for us right now. And so if we don't, if we ignore them and there's something down the road that we don't know about because he can see. I can see to the door. But he sees the county line and beyond. Right? And so if I'm going that direction and he sees something that I need to adjust, maybe I need to take Hughes Road to get where I need to go. Maybe I need to wait here for a minute or whatever it might be, the adjustment I need to make so that when I'm on my journey or on my way, I don't encounter failure, that the word profits me. It benefits me in my walk in God. Amen. Amen. Uh, if he tells you not to be angry, we were talking about that, how uh, the wrath of man does not bring forth the righteousness of God. If he's telling you to deal with your anger, me to deal with my anger, whatever it might be, he sees something or father that this is going to be a problem down the road. 
You need to check this right now. The light comes on in your car. The oil light comes on or a light comes on on your dashboard. That's the check light. If you ignore that, if you forget, you see the oil light comes on and you don't put oil in your car, guess what? You're going to need a new motor soon or a new car. <laughs> if you don't check that, right? And that's why the manufacturer tells you, if you keep the oil changed, you're going to have this car forever. But when the check light comes on, when the check light comes on in service, we don't just go, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. And if we do, there's danger down the road. Hallelujah. So it's useless. If we don't, uh, if we're in religion and all of that, it's useless. Us hearing the word and doing our religious duty, it doesn't profit us anything. So <clears throat> I was listening to a uh, message in my office the other day. And uh, I had to turn, eventually turn it off because I had to stop it four times because I needed to make adjustments in me. And so even when you're sitting in services or you're hearing the word and the Holy Ghost <laughs> does this, you need to look at this. He's bringing something to our attention. Don't wait till you go outside because the devil will conveniently get you to forget about that. Just right there, right there in the middle. Father, I just thank you that you showed me that. I'll take care of that. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for caring about me. I'll take care of that. Right there. Uh, you fought with your spouse before you came to church or in the parking lot. Praise the Lord. During worship service, while you're worshiping God, all of a sudden he goes, hello? You remember like five minutes ago in the parking lot what you said to your spouse? Don't approach me with that mouth. Go take care of that. Don't wait till you leave. Lead up, honey. I'm so sorry about what I said in the parking lot. Will you forgive me? And then get right back on in. Amen? So when he shows us that make those adjustments. Deuteronomy 28, and I'm not going to do the verse where you're not going to go deep into that, but it says, hearken or hear and do. Hearken or hear and do. And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God and observe and do his commandments, these blessings. We love the blessings. But he said, if you will hearken, if you will hear and do, then the good stuff comes. Right? So, and don't say, I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear that. Everybody's laughing because you've done it before. I wish someone said, they need to hear that. Or my spouse, they're out there in the parking lot. They need to be in here hearing this. They're back in children's. They need to be in here hearing this. But take the word unto yourself, to myself. Hallelujah. We had a guy come uh, several years ago uh, from the community, and I don't know how it got back to us, but he said, um, he said, y'all for real here. And the person asked him, what do you mean by that? And he said, y'all ain't playing church. He said, y'all for real, y'all living this. He said, I can't stay. He couldn't hearken and observe to do. So he said, I'm out. And he left. Everybody got to know where they be. 
Hallelujah. Romans 10. And I got a boogie here. Romans 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon his name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he goes on to say, how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall the preacher say what he needs to say unless he's be sent? So there's a progression here. Somebody has to be sent, which is the preacher. Then he has to say something to be heard. Then the person that's hearing has to believe and confess. And then the benefit is salvation. So, you know, God has sent uh, our pastors here or different ones that come to minister. He sent them here. So the end thereof, we can hear what God is saying that's important for us to hear right now. And then we can believe what that word is uh, being said and be, uh, believe in our heart, we could confess or say out of our mouth or act however the Holy Ghost says, uh, you know, you hear something about your finances and he tells you to do this and then you act. He might tell you to give to someone like uh, uh, Ollie was talking about earlier. He might have you uh, do uh, some act uh, towards someone and then the benefit of that is the outcome of what you're, what you're acting on. And then it goes on to say, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Then it says, but they have not obeyed, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, uh, so we have to hear the word. So we put ourselves in places where we can hear the word. When we come to church, we're in a place where we can hear the word. When we're listening to a video or watching, you know, this, that, or other, or reading our word, the Holy Ghost speaks to us from reading our word. And we hear something from him that we need to adjust and we need to change in our lives, right? So hearing and hearing of not just a word, but hearing of the word of God. Amen. So, uh, and Jesus even tells us in Mark 4, 24, he says, be careful how you hear. Not even just what you hear, but be careful how you hear. A lot of times through the filters of our life is how we hear things. Uh, how we were raised in our family. We hear things a certain way, how we were raised in our family. If we were taught, taught traditions in church, we hear them through the filter of those traditions rather than hearing the pure word of, word of God. And so we have to uh, be careful how we hear. I remember when I first started hearing things about who I am in Christ, what I can do in Christ, what I can have in Christ, and I was mad. Because where I grew up in, the church I grew up in, didn't read none of that. But just, even just in the, the recent time, the Lord's like, you can't be mad at these people. At least Miss Julia Bell had you in Sunday school and taught you from the quarterly, the word of God from the quarterly. So she's in heaven, but, you know, I was going, Lord, thank you for Miss, Miss Julia Bell. Good, two southern names, praise the Lord. But those filters, sometimes we have to get rid of our filters of how we hear. 
And, you know, and even Holy Ghost, if I'm not hearing this right, or just sit and meditate on something that you're hearing, just meditate. I've played stuff over and over. Just one little phrase of a, a CD or uh, a video or uh, audio or something, and go, did I hear that right? And I go back and hear it again. So it gets in me, and I hear it correctly. Uh, Pastor JC, I need you. Mr. Ollie, you mind coming up? I saw this illustration, and I'm going to do this. I want you to take that. So what we're going to do is JC is from a very warm place in the earth, wherever that might be. And uh, you invited him to your house, and uh, you have air conditioning. He's not used to air conditioning. And so you're gone, and he calls you, and he tells you he's cold. And so you're going to describe to him how to put a coat on that he's never worn a coat before. <laughs> so I want you to turn to that wall. Okay. And so he's got a microphone on. And so uh, I want you to explain to JC, who has never put a coat on in his entire life. He's never seen a coat. <laughs> I have faith in you, brother. <laughs> okay. Okay. Put your left arm out. Grab the jacket. You see the little arm thing that's kind of extending out? Yes, I see them. Stick your arm. But make sure the, the, the opening is facing <laughs> I need detail. away from you. <laughs> okay, away from me. Uh-huh. And stick my arm in the whole thingy. Yeah, stick your arm in okay. the... The left whole thingy. All right. I'm feeling warm already. Okay. All right. And I have one arm in. Stick your other arm in the right whole okay. side. Okay. I'm getting warmer. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is better. This is so much better. Okay. Yes. So is the opening in the front? Yes, the opening is in the front. Yes. Um, is, is so... So it's probably upside down. <laughs> um, so do I need to put it over my head, or or this is good? Is it buttoned? N no. Are the, are, 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 oh, are, I can button it. Hold on. The little give, buttons. Give me a, give me a second. <laughs> ah, I can button it. Okay. This is difficult. Well, why don't you unbutton it? Huh? Unbutton it. Oh, it is unbuttoned. It is unbuttoned? Yes, sir. Okay. okay. Um, so, you sure about this? This is, this feels kind of funny. Uh, should I turn around or? Uh, this just, just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. Okay. No. Uh, I have both arms in. Um, I have them through the whole thingy, and the outside is facing outside. The inside is facing outside. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I I feel a little warmer, <laughs> but only only in the front. Only. <laughs> I need more detail. I can only. I, <laughs> 
do we need a do-over? Um, do you need to take it off and I, we start over again? I, I this this will work. I, I mean. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> and see, there was nothing wrong in his descriptions, but it was how he perceived what he said. Be careful how you hear. Amen? And so with that, it, a lot of times in services and stuff, be careful how you hear. We hear the subject of faith, maybe. And that we need to be a doer of the word of faith. And then um, <clears throat> we hear that somebody else gave their car away. We go give our car away. But the Holy Ghost didn't tell you to give your car away. He told them to give their car away. You, somebody stopped taking their medicine. But you heard, I had a friend that did that at camp meeting one year. He heard somebody say that they stopped taking their medicine because they felt like they were healed. Well, he just decided, I'm not going to take my medicine. It ended up in St. Francis Hospital. But the God didn't tell him. So how you hear is just as important of what you hear. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, um, <clears throat> we're going to wrap this up here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. So a minister will say it, or you heard pastors say it, or different ones. They'll, say, they'll come up the mountain all different kinds of ways to try to get you to hear, or get us to hear it, or to receive what they're saying. And, uh, and so that's them just trying to uh, keep hearing. We keep hearing, we keep hearing, we keep hearing until we go, ah, you ever done that? I got it. And, you know, and Pastor talked about, talks about how I want, he wants to come down and just pour it into you, the revelation. He's going he to pour it into you because he's got it. You're going like the little puppy dog. Uh-huh. The little puppy dog in the window. Uh-huh. And you go, no, you don't get it. <laughs> so... In order for us to get it, we need revelation. And so uh, here, Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for your, you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given unto me, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly already uh, written. By which you have read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. So let me back up just a little bit. Paul is saying here that in the dispensation of grace, which was given to me to you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. And, um, and then he goes on to say... Um, in which I read and understand the knowledge of the mystery, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. So there's a mystery Paul is talking about that was not made, made known previously to the sons of men. There was something that was hidden or that was secret that we didn't know until Revelation came. And he says, Son, uh, uh, sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. So the mystery is starting to unfold that was hidden in the ages that we, the Gentiles, should come to know Christ. 
We should be a part of the same body. We should be partakers of the promises of those 7,000 promises in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the elected, effective working of his power. So today, I looked up the word church. And it starts in Matthew 16. In the Old Testament, there was no reference to the word church. So that was a mystery that was hidden until that dis this dispensation of grace that we're in. So in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the first place where I see that the word church is mentioned. And Paul is saying that it was something that was hidden before and now is being revealed about the church, the body of Christ. Ephesians says the church, which is his body, which is Jesus' body. That mystery now is being made known, Paul is saying. So the church was a mystery, and Paul got the plan from the church. He got it by direct revelation from Jesus. Later on in different uh, part of the epistles, he says, no man taught me. That didn't mean that he didn't hear a man. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, because in that scripture in Ephesians, um, 1 John 2, 27, it's at the beginning of it, it says, you don't need a man to teach you. And then it says, but the Holy Ghost is your teacher. He's not getting rid of Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's not abandoning one part of the word to get you something. We need all of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But what he is saying, that it wasn't just revealed to me by a man. I got it by direct revelation from the head of the church of who I am and what I'm to do in this grace that's been given to me about Christ in the church. Him and us and us and him the hope of glory on the inside of us. So he's saying, I've been given, been given the responsibility to steward this mystery of Christ in the church. And God gave it to him by revelation. Now let's look at Colossians 1, 25. And this is Paul talking again. This is like a sister verse. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship or responsibility from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery that has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So not only did he get revelation, he's saying now is being revealed to the saints. Anybody here a saint? You're not the pious ones that stand and they make statues of you and all of that. You're a saint of God. Hallelujah. And God, and this word here is saying that this mystery of Christ in the church, him being on us the hope of glory, is now being revealed to us. Not only was it revealed to Paul, but now it's being revealed to us. To, to them, God will to make known that the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ and the church which is his body, not only uh, <clears throat> is, are we in Christ, but he's in us. And verse 26 says, um, let's go back. And so it says, now being revealed to the saints, now being revealed to us. So Paul did things two ways. He preached the word, he proclaimed the word, but he also wrote it down. We just read it. 
So the word of God was um, preserved in two ways. By him telling it or proclaiming it, saying it, demonstrating it in preaching, but also written down. But Paul said something else in his writings (laughs) that got my attention. He didn't just preach, he prayed. Back, let's look at the Ephesians 1. So where did he get this mystery from? Ephesians 1, 17. For I always, to, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. I always pray, he says. That the, uh, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he will grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and insight into mysteries. I'm looking at reading it from the Amplified Classic. Uh, insight into mysteries and secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of him. So not only is he proclaiming this way, he wrote it down so we can get it, but the way we get it is he prayed for revelation. He prayed for us to have revelation. He's not teaching us this like you teach a science class or a math class or a geometry class or a history class, mind to mind. He's saying you've got to get this by revelation. So he can get the mystery. He can understand the secret by revelation. But we got to get it so that we can walk in it. By having, verse uh, 18, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope which you have been called and how rich is your glorious inheritance in the saints to set apart ones and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and unsurpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty power and strength. I'm going to stop there for a second. Um, <clears throat> one of the people that I listen to is uh, Reverend uh, Nancy Dufresne. Years ago, she said this, and this popped up this afternoon when I was studying. She had a lady in her church. She was uh, uh, seasoned, let's say, uh, elderly lady. And, um, and she went home to be with the Lord. And she called all of her family in. And she's, you know, I'm out of here, dude. So... She gets up to heaven, and Jesus walks up to her, and he said, you can't stay. And she's like, what? He said, I need you to go back to the earth. She said, what can I do to stay? And he said, I need you to go back to the earth. And she said, for what? And he said, I need you to go back and pray. And she said, what do you want me to pray? He said, to your, he said I want you to go back to your local church, and I want you to pray that they get it. I want you to pray that they get it. It was important to heaven for her not to come so that she could come back to the earth and pray that the saints in her local church get it. And she said, well, what do you want them to get? These scriptures I just read you. Who they are in Christ in verse uh, 18, the hope of which you've been called. Who they are in Christ, the hope to which they've been called. So he wants you to get who you are. It was important for heaven to send this lady back so that her church family could get who they are in Christ. It was important that um, they came and uh, they can have Uh, what they can have in Christ, for them to know and understand what they can have in Christ. 
And the, and the verse is in verse 18 again. How rich is the glorious inheritance to the saints. That's your inheritance, what you can have. And then pray and help them to know and understand what they can do in Christ. What is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in us and for us who believe. What, uh, who we are, what we can have, and what we can do. It was important to heaven for her to pray so that we get the revelation of those three things. Isn't that something? So it was important to Jesus that we get it. Hallelujah. So Paul didn't just preach a message. He just didn't write things down. Paul prayed. So just hang on here for a minute. So these are several places in Scripture, in the epistles, where Paul said these things. Not just preaching. And preaching is important because in these passages, when I was looking at the part where he prayed, he also asked people to pray for him, to preach. And so in Romans, he says that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. He didn't say, I preach to you day and night. He didn't say, I always preach to you. He said, I always pray for you. Why? So if I pray for you, that's making a supply available for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what needs to be revealed. Second Corinthians, now I pray to God that you do no evil. Ephesians, cease not to pray, uh, give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Philippians, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. And Philippians again, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Colossians, he says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, cease not to pray for you. So important is, he's not saying I'm preaching all of this. He said, I'm praying for you to get it. Um, First Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers day and night. First Thessalonians, wherefore also we pray always for you. Second Timothy, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I remember you in my prayers day and night. Philemon, I thank my God mentioning, making mention of you in, always in my prayers. So he's praying, he's praying for them, uh, for them to get it. But then later on he says uh, in there, well, pray for us. Uh, pray for me to have utterance. Pray for me to have boldness. Pray for me to have unction. Pray for me that my word is received. Pray for me that the uh, word is received in Jerusalem. Pray for me that I come to you with joy. So he's asking for a prayer for the word as it's going out to be received, the word being demonstrated to go out, the word being, uh, uh, in Ephesians he says, pray for me for boldness to preach the word. But here, I don't know how many, I didn't even count them. How many times did he say, pray for, I pray for you. For revelation to come to you, not just hearing the word preached and preached and preached and preached and preached, heard and heard and heard and heard, but in your hearing, we get revelation of who we are, what we can have and what we can do in Christ. And so the messages that are coming forth are part of that, who we are what we can have, and what we can do in Christ. Amen? 
And so if we ignore that, these messages seem to God very important right now. And what do we do with them? Okay, well, I just got a notch in my belt and showed up on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or for saturation. And we want you here. I'm not trying to run you off. I endeavor always to give pastors their church back when they come back the way they gave it to me or better. So I'm not trying to run you. I'm trying to give all of us a wake-up call in that it's not just enough to hear. If our life is not changing in our hearing, it's not profiting us. It's not benefiting us. When I um, was uh, in college, uh, I, got, uh, I got born again when I was 12. But um, nobody told me what happened to me, so I didn't live for God. When I got to college at 22, uh, some friends of mine started talking to me and everything. So I gave my, my life to the Lord, or however you want to say it, come back to the Lord. And so in that coming back to the Lord, uh, I was in the marching band. Mr. Herman over here was in the marching band with us, the mighty marching maroon and white at Alabama A&M University. And so I had a scholarship. So I was convicted to go out to a football game on a Saturday night and shake my groove thing. And show up on church on Sunday. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. So this was my junior year. <clears throat> it was in April of my junior year when, when I came back to the Lord. So I had another year <laughs> of school to get through. But it was convicting me. So I went to a band director. He's a born-again Christian. And, uh, you know, a, a musician in his church and everything. And I said, I can't in good conscience continue to go out on Saturday night. And he would say, this ain't no get down, drop down, pants down band. But we were. Because we, we, we were one of the uh, bands of the South that you go to see because of our halftime shows. So, uh, so we were a get down, drop down, dance, pants down band. <laughs> so he would say that to us, you know. And so in all of that, I just couldn't even get conscious continue to do it. And so at the risk of me using, losing my scholarship, I went and talked to him. And he said, he said, well, I'm the band director of y'all. And I said, I ain't talking about that. You, you and him going to have to deal with it. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about me. And I don't know what to do about that. And so um, he said, well, you go on your scholarship. And I said, yes, sir. And I said, but I'm letting you know that my heart is being um, convicted about doing this on Saturday night and going to church on Sunday. And he said, well, what do you expect me to do about that? And I said, I, I, I don't know, sir. So I just sat there quietly. So he left the room. He went to talk to our department head. And then he came back. He said, well, what we've decided to do is to let you keep your scholarship he said, so you don't have to march, but you'll work in the music department and you'll travel with a team. You'll uh, take care of all the music. You'll take care of all the uniforms, you know, whatever. Basically, I became the secretary of the band. And they let me out of marching. And, um, <clears throat> and so um, then he th started talking. Both of them came in the room and started talking to me because they thought I was part of a cult. 
because I spoke in tongues. So I had to endure that, but I kept my scholarship. Hallelujah. I graduated. But when that conviction came, I had to do something with that. I just couldn't sear over my heart and go, because I, I'm going to compromise myself because I got a scholarship. It, it was potentially could have cost me something to obey God in that area. It could potentially cost us in something if we don't obey. Stand up. Uh, I was listening to someone the other day and they were talking about giving an illustration, a story, actually an account of a lady. They said that, this was way back in the day, and they said they gave, uh, this person gave them, sent them a cassette. And they were a singer. And uh, beautiful voice, most of the music on there, this person wrote the music and all. And uh, so the person that got it listened to it. Uh, just absolutely love what they heard. And they were going to a meeting where this person was going to be. And sure enough, that person came to them, this lady came to them that sent them the tape and uh, wanted to talk to them about being a part of their music program. And so uh, on the way back to their church, uh, the pastor was praying and said, Lord, why are, you sending, why are you sending her to us? And he said, she has a tremendous gift but he said, she needs training. And he said, I'm sending her to you for you to train her. So she showed up at the church, and she thought they were going to turn the music department over to her because of her gifting. But the Lord said she needed training. And so she went to the pastor and said, uh, are you not going to put the, uh, me over the music department? And she said, no. I'm not over the music department. So if you want to be a part of the music department, get in the choir. And she said, are you serious? And she said, yeah. She said, show me what you got. Go get in the choir. So she went in the choir. She came back to her after a few weeks. And she said, I can't do this. I can't believe I have the gift that I have, and you're going to put me in the choir. And she said, you need to be trained. The Lord told me that he sent you here to be trained. And he said, I'm going to train you. And she said, I can't stay. And so she left. Within a few months, they got word back that she had a debilitating disease and she passed away. The Lord sent her there for her rescue. But her talent and her gifting meant more to her than being trained in the word of God. Than profiting from the benefit of the word of God. For whatever adjustments that needed to be made in her. The rough edges that needed to be smoothed off. That was more important to her to be put up front. Or uh, put out front. Whatever, it, whatever the issue was. But God was trying to work that out of her. And she would not allow herself to profit. That's a drastic story. And I'm not saying that, you know, to say, if you don't, you know, I'm not saying that. Everybody has their own individual walk with God. But I'm saying, God, we are living in a serious time right now. We, we are. And if we 
just here and here and here and here and not mix faith with it, we will not profit. We will not benefit. And I'm, I had to do this sermon today, so <laughs> the last few weeks. So I'm not saying anything to you that I'm not saying to myself. But it's, it's time to stop playing church. And it's time to be the church, which is his body. The fullness of him all in all. Amen.